Tiffany Page is an English singer-songwriter. I first saw her perform in 2010 when she opened for one of my favourite bands, Hole, and I have been an avid fan of her music ever since. Tiffany joins me as the eighth Neon Spotlight guest to discuss her origin story, what it was like to be signed to Mercury Records, record her debut album, and then be dropped before the album was released, what she did after that journey, what it was like to release her shelved debut album on Spotify independently, what's next for her, and so much more. I absolutely loved my chat with Tiffany. It felt like talking to an old friend. And I really hope that you are inspired and empowered by our conversation. Enjoy. Thank you so much for doing this. Like, we've literally been trying to arrange it for months. (laughs) Well, it's brilliant. It's exciting. I haven't haven't never sort of talked on a a podcast before. (laughs) Is this your first podcast? Yeah. My friends do them, but um, and so I've heard lots of cool things. And obviously, I've listened to podcasts before, but never um, spoken. And I talk too much. Oh, I tend to. So, <laughs> mm. well, that's what I encourage. I like, <laughs> I like just getting to chat to inspiring women, and that's the whole premise of Neon Woman. Um, I literally just started it last year because it was a pandemic and I was bored and I've always just loved hearing people's origin stories and journeys in their careers um so yeah thank you this is I'm this is really exciting for me I saw you perform well you opened for Hole in 2010 yeah so I saw you perform twice in a week because I went to two of the concerts did you? Yeah. Oh, so two of the whole concerts and I happened yeah. to pop my head up. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was so much fun. Do you know, I used to, you know, I'm not a particularly religious person, but um, I'm sorry, one second, my dog is chewing, chewing a chair underneath <laughs> me. <laughs> Puppy, should I say. Should I stop it? And... Um, but ever since I was small, I've always sort of been quite um, well, spiritual, I guess. And I used to lie in bed. So I heard some a boy at school once talking about Courtney Love and, you know, saying saying all these rude, slightly explicit things about her. And I thought, oh, who is this person? I looked her up and, you know, realized it, it then sort of subsequently discovered Nirvana and just used to lie in bed praying, dear God please can I tour with Courtney Love one day I just think she's so cool and then did that's amazing <laughs> Which was, and and the way that came about was quite well sort of quite naughty and I guess sort of telltale of 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 how my career's panned out and why my career has gone one way and other people who were signed at the same time have gone the other way which was that I had um take basically I, I didn't turn up to to a gig at the garage which was a venue I'd played at a few times and I, I mean I wasn't feeling very well and uh, apparently Courtney Love had come to see me play to decide whether she wanted me to go on tour with her and because I and she you know had to watch the person who was supporting us which was really cool for a person supporting us 
Um, but she then decided to let me go on tour with her because I didn't turn up. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's just, you know. <laughs> that's such a Courtney Love thing to do. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get into kind of 2010 and touring with Hole, but I just wanted to start with your origin story, if possible. Like, where did you grow up? How did you get started in music? Well, so I actually grew up in Zimbabwe and when I was eight years old, I, I was born in England and when I was tiny, moved to Zimbabwe um, where, you know, music was sort of the access that I had, striker, sorry, um, the access that I had to music was um, a recorder, um, which my mum had given me. And when we moved to the UK, my grandfather said to my mum, you know, she's always singing and actually she's singing in key. So whatever you do, go and get her singing lessons, um, which I started doing. And when I was a child, uh, well, 14, um, used to sing for the English National Opera and, and performed at the Coliseum, which was really fun because we had to wow. lots of time off school and we were paid for it. Um, and... Basically, it sort of then became a bit of a reprobate and couldn't settle on anything. Went to fashion college. I, I stopped school at GCSEs. So I was 15. I've never been academic. And um, really, and, and when I was 14, my mum bought me a guitar, which I remember learning three chords myself and just sort of really gravitated towards the um, the feeling of being able to accompany myself singing um, and then started you know my mum encouraged me to go and play at pubs and gigs and stuff and sort of got got confidence and from there it became about luck so you put yourself out there um, and you have to start something and whether you're lucky enough for something to happen well that's your call but it, it basically got me out of the, the bedroom and, um, yeah, and, and it created a whole host of events that I would consider as incredibly lucky, um, but also lucky because I live in London and, and I think it's having, having city life around you and opportunity that maybe other people wouldn't have had they put themselves out in the same way. But yeah. it is a lesson it is a lesson that if there's something you want, um, you know, you have to, especially nowadays with online and everything being so digital, you still have to put yourself out there and, and you know, be a physical presence, you know, not just a media presence. I think yeah. I'm just moving out of this room, not being followed by a puppy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so, really interesting. You know, there, there's... Yeah. So, the, the, you know, there's a there's a big thing. You know, right now I'm trying to navigate music um, in a way that is, you know, I, well, I've never when I first started in 2010, there wasn't social media like there is now. And and now it's very different. So I'm sort of I find myself being. You know, and I'm not very good at at um, creating posts and, you know, doing all those sort of YouTube clips and stuff. Um, 
and and have always been am of the era where you go out and play as many pubs and and gigs as you can and now i think it's it's very different you have to have a certain amount of streaming um you have had you know online streaming yeah. numbers you have to get those up it, it, before you can sort of really start getting the gigs where you know record labels are are going to go to and come and see you and and whatever but you know I think things definitely have changed from from then yeah but. it's it's crazy how in what 11 years things can change as much as they have yeah yeah they have you know i i think also the way i mean my sister's 23 and she's very good with online so online media for anything and she can sell ice to an Eskimo just by taking a photo you know and whereas myself I have no idea how to do that you know she's she's very good with getting the sun you know involved and for the correct lighting whereas I'm sort of you know I'll I'll, you know I have the completely wrong angle you know (laughs) yes I'm the (laughs) same (laughs) they they call it the dad angle I think you know yes (laughs) not to be sexist but they do (laughs) Or ageist, <laughs> parentist. So, <laughs> so at what point in your musical career were you signed to Mercury Records? Had you been performing for quite a while or was it fairly early on in your musical journey? Well, I mean, so I I left school and, and started uh uh, fashion college to which you know I and then started getting getting into a lot of trouble um you know involving partying and and late nights and my parents said hey so look if you you need to stop that and you need to get a job um but we're going to offer you something that may help you which is we're going to give you a year and give you you know small amount of money each week so pocket money not a substantial amount of of any sorts, but enough, you know, I could go out one night a week with my buddies. Um, and as long as I did one one or two gigs a week and wrote one song a week, and every day spent a certain amount of time sending uh, printing CDs off and sending sending them off to as many uh, publishers, record labels, and people that I could. Um, and within that year, things started you know people would get back to me I mean this is basically cold calling people through the post yeah and I had this wonderful book called the unsigned guide which I think still exists it's probably online now but and I would go through all every single person um who had their contact details on there and contact them and you know the most random people would get back to me and say you know actually I did listen to your cd and I thought you sending a cd out you know, not many people do. Um, and, you know, from, from there, sort of every time somebody would hit and say, I really liked it, um, would just give me more confidence to go out and play a new song I'd written that week the next time I played live. You know, these quite sweet um, sort of pub open mic nights and stuff where I learned so much. And actually it was, this is where luck is involved, which is I was playing, playing music and a friend of mine was coming over to my parents' house and rang on the door 
And I thought, I'm just going to carry on playing a bit longer and show off a bit, see if I can have the confidence to play in front of a friend. And he told a friend of his about me who basically um, told his dad, who was affiliated with Stiff Records and Mad- who'd signed Madness and the Blockheads and a number of other really cool UK um, bands. And I think 70s, 70s, 80s. I should know that. But so, and, and one of the guys, this, this brilliant musician called Chaz Jankel of the Blockheads, he decided he would give me a chance and, and write with me. So uh, I ended up playing a, a song that we'd, we'd written together and made a video and posted it to my MySpace page um, and onto YouTube. And from then on, a string of events happened whereby somebody was looking up Charles Jankel, saw me, showed his son, which led to management, um, which is what I mean by luck. And, and from there on, you know, I had management who did a pretty good job at, at getting me signed and just really believed in me. So I think it was less than a year from just putting my heart and soul into music that, you know, things happened and I, and I got signed to Mercury. <laughs> wow. That's kind of a whirlwind, really. Did it feel like it was all happening really quick? Not really. You know, honestly, looking... So at the time, I, I found it all quite embarrassing, actually, because, you know, I'd started out playing folky music or music that I'd written myself and suddenly got put into rooms. Well, it was embarrassing and inspiring and a huge learning curve. And, you know, I, so I was put into these rooms with all these other songwriters who said, no, 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 your idea's okay, but it's not really what record labels are looking for. Um, we're going to write this today. And so it sort of molded my music style into a very pop dynamic, you know, very sort of pop writing, very structured, which I loved, you know, and I, I love singing and I loved singing. I love singing high still, you know, getting, I love these big choruses and, you know, I was very much a part of writing those songs as they were. They were sort of just guiding me mm. along and to maybe try that note or, you know, let's try a bigger chorus. What do you think? Um, so that was a, a very good learning curve. However, you know, when when the songs were taken then by the label and taken to a producer, it sort of was produced in a way that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily gravitated towards. And live, my band and I, um, we sort of were testament to that because live we were, you know, heavier. As a heavier, we, could, we took those songs to a, a level of... Um, rock or alternative that would still suit the song but would always sort of sound pop you know and you know so we really became ourselves when we were playing live um with what we were given to to play um but it was a learning curve because um you know I you know I had to become a yes person rather than than you know dictating what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be as an artist. But so it was sort of a whirlwind, 
but it's easy to look back on things and say, oh, well, maybe I should have done that. Or maybe now I've got confidence. I should have said no, you know, yeah. but from, from there, you know, you know, I'm still very much doing music and, you know, have worked with many other people and, and I'm signed again, um, in, in the States rather than as opposed to the UK. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all learning and, and it's definitely a lot of navigating people who are older than you, wiser than you and have had far more experience than you. It's so. interesting that you mention how you would perform the songs live because obviously mm. I saw you in 2010 and your music live was just, like you said, it was rock. It, yeah. it suited who you were opening for you know, it just, it kind of went hand in hand, really. And I was like, oh, this music is almost unlike anything else at the time, because it wasn't pop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then I would go on YouTube and listen to, like, the music videos and things. And I'd be like, oh, okay, this is, this is pop. And I love pop music as much as I love rock music. But there was a... I love pop music as well. <laughs> there was a difference between the style of performing them live which was incredible and then I guess the kind of more polished studio versions yes I think you know that's because um you know these songs were you know sort of dictated uh to or dictated by mm -hmm. um songwriters who are you know professionals who are trained to write in an a b c format you know um and you know i you know at my core i i mean i love you know nirvana one of my favorite bands on the whole on the whole planet you know mm. now <laughs> now oh and whole you know and and actually now you know writing songs it you know and and i'm having my own uh you know, my own input, I'm working with other people who I'm now telling what to do. And it's, you know, everybody will say, well, I mean, I guess because you're playing on an acoustic guitar, they're sort of folky, but it's kind of got that Nirvana thing to it. And I'm like, yeah, it's all the, of course they've got grunge in. That's all I've, you know, this is all I've ever listened to. I mean, now, obviously, my, my music taste is far more eclectic. Yes. <laughs> growing up in those development stages, that's pretty important. Your brain is, you know, they're obviously forming patterns that you can't quite, you don't form to the same extent when you're an adult. Um, so that will always be me. And we did, we, we played those songs as hard as we possibly could. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing to see them live. Yeah. <laughs> so you created your debut album and... Mm -hmm with Mercury? Yes. I guess you've kind of already answered this question, but looking back, did you feel like you were in creative control with that process? You know, yes and no. So like, like I, I said, you know, it was very much, I was very much dictated to by people who thought that they knew far more than I did. Um, but, you know, actually, I will say the way I sang and, and, you know, the way you, your, you know, and lyrics and the sentiments behind the songs were all me. Um, and, you know, my favorite thing about music is sort of, it's, is acting, 
it's the the expression you can give to a song while you're singing that can make somebody believe it or you know create a dynamic that makes a song move and I always thought that was the the thing that I'm best at more so than songwriting mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm a good hook hook you know writer but forming a whole song my ADD and dyslexia sort of go they they quite understand that my brain doesn't work you know in very structured ways but being able to act a song and give it the sentiment that I wanted was 100% my um, input and and that was where my creative control really stood out also um when then the songs were produced and the vocals were taken, you know, I would sit behind the producer and say, I don't want you to use that take, you're definitely using that take. And they'd get first quite annoyed at me and then realise that actually, you know, there's some things I'll let them get away with, but with this, with my vocals, is my instrument mm-hmm. that they're using, not theirs. So that, I, that I've always had faith in myself that I'm better at that than anybody else you know with my with my voice and you know for if people are listening to this and and they want to have you know a bit of inspiration if for musicians it's when you know you're good at something and somebody you, or you have to allow other people to have an opinion of course but carry on that belief and and you know know that you know if it's something that you think sounds good you're probably right. I mean, in, unless it's a 12-minute outro or something. Hey, that could sound good too. <laughs> um, well, yeah. No, maybe not live. Maybe not minutes. live, no. Yeah. Um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was thinking about a 12-minute outro. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember in, you know, 2010 there was this kind of media attention that you were going to be the next big thing in pop music. Were you Mm. aware of that kind of pressure? And did it feel like, oh my God, there's all this pressure on me to, to be that? Or were you just unaware of it? Um, so I, I would have, I mean, put it this way, you know, there are, you know, I, I was signed at the same time as Ellie Goulding. I was signed at the same time as Marine and the Diamonds and, and all these incredible musicians. And um, I think I may have been the only one, I know in, in Q magazine, I'm the only one of the artists on, on I think out of five, who, you know, whose career didn't skyrocket into oblivion. However, I am a person who, you know, my personality is probably not is probably you know what would it be not as common maybe as most people you know you would hope (laughs) um you know I'm quite self-conscious and Mm -hmm. and and introverted and um I remember when people would come up to me after gigs and ask for my autograph and you know I'd be very so excited and honored but really what that's so amazing um uh, but it was before the gigs that you know when people come up and 
want you to design stuff that I got quite self-conscious of and and obviously very honored and and pleased but I couldn't quite understand it um and also you know when we did video shoots and photo shoots is how people I mean essentially I was paying paying for them to be there um and or the label was you know because of me and it was the reaction that these people had you know treating you you know, oh, have my coat have this are you okay you know being yes 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 you can have whatever you want which I found very uncomfortable um not not because of them but because I think who I am and so I didn't give off this star quality which I think I I should have done well mm -hmm. I don't think I should have done but had I had I maybe more opportunities would have opened up people say oh I really want you to come you oh she's so unattainable and amazing I want her to come here with you know because I was on a level um you know people less inclined to think of you as this magical star and yeah. I think how you know looking back I wish I maybe I should have you know assigned to being this the person that um you know I was expected to do to be and the role I was expected to play because you know really it you know there has to be a level element I think of of being someone special when 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 you're doing something so I guess it's artistic and putting yourself out there however I, I I didn't and I'm not that sort of person which may have been a reason why you know other people may may be sort of prolific you know still you know in the spotlight now um I yes but I also feel like maybe you kept your integrity which is not a bad thing either I definitely have kept an, integ an integrity um <laughs> in in which you know I'm very pleased um I am quite excited for this next round you know I've, I've just finished a degree well I finish it next Friday Yay. it's three years given myself a vocational backdrop um, something just so to take the pressure off um, and during these three years when I haven't had all the time in the world to do music I've now become prolific in writing and playing the guitar um, and I'm so excited to start gigging again whereas before this degree um, all, I had all the time in the world to do music and I took that completely for granted loads of holidays just you know didn't want to do anything got quite lazy and you know now I'm ready to come back and my music taste and my music development is something I'm going to be very proud of and can't wait to play and who knows what will happen with that you know it, I hope as a musician to always make a living doing something I love um it's very difficult you know with the the current climate um with you know, selling selling music. You know, you have bigger bigger people than you, bigger companies than you who who make most of the. You know, they 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 make most of the living, the turnover, the yeah. the wage. I don't know what it's called. You know, but um, you know, I hope to to be doing something and and always to remain a level of integrity. However, I also know and have learned that it is very important to take other people's advice and and go with that too you know yeah. so we'll see on that
Okay. Can we talk a little bit about what happened with your album getting shelved and kind of how that's now led you to where you are now? Because you recorded an album, it didn't get released. What was that like? I mean, I can't even imagine what I must have felt like. I didn't really notice it, to be honest. Um, So I had two managers who were inexperienced. Um, They'd never managed before. One of them was a, and to me, they were fantastic. And, and, you know, this isn't any, their inexperience is not, you know, anything on their character. I mean, oh, they, you know, both of them, my best friend, one of them still very much my bestest friend, or one of them. And, um, you know, with that inexperience became a lot of squabbling, I think, between the two, a lot of opportunities missed um, to promote. Um, and subsequently, that led to a breakdown in their relationship. And with that, also, I I understand that Mercury had, um, you know, started breaking down I think they'd spent too much money on on artists that you know without really you know I think I know what happened you know within Mercury which is spending too much money on artists and promotion and and just wanting desperately wanting to get a record out with actually saying hey let these artists develop for six months with the band that you know paid for band give them time and then let's record an album and yeah. then let's see how that does. And, you know, really, because, you know, it would have given us time to figure out, right, you know, maybe first single should be this, second single should be this. Um, but funnily enough, I did a, played a gig two years ago with the Stereophonics and one of the, the, the drummer of the Stereophonics uh, was in the Noisettes. So that's three bands who were (laughs) assigned to Mercury at exactly the same time. And um, all of us, you know, blown off by our record labels, but got together and played one gig, which is awesome. That's amazing. And we were just saying, well, I think we may be the best musicians, you know, that's funny. Actually, Mercury was a brilliant label and really did have taste and you know just maybe possibly didn't quite know what they were doing or Mm. were inexperienced and just desperate to get numbers as opposed to sitting back and giving artists longer life to to develop yeah you know but the album not coming up sort of got out it sort of became overshadowed by that and I was so pleased to have singles out that and to be playing and to be working and being able to make a living doing music that honestly that's not something that's ever really bothered me so much I was just so grateful for the opportunities that I was given um, and the lessons that I've learned from that something that I'm going to take on and carry on and you know really push myself to develop and and carry on you know music's music it doesn't matter who you are how old you are it matters about how you feel about it what you love to hear and hoping that you know other people love and want to hear what you have to play too um and really I'm just keen to start playing live again because that is I mean nothing beats showing off (laughs) in my opinion I love it 
so much. It's so good. Or playing with other people. Yeah. Can't beat that. Yeah. But then you you did release your debut album last year. What what was that? Because I was so excited. I've I've followed you on social media since 2010. Um you actually sent me I think it was like a I don't know if it was the finished version or if it was like a studio demo of Seven Years Too Late. It must have been after I found out the album wasn't coming out and you emailed me a like an MP3 because that was my favorite song. So it's so crazy. <laughs> I love that song too. Um, well, actually, a, a guy, um, Vic, his name is Vic Guga, um, he got hold of me and said, you know, I'm, I'm a singing teacher in New Mexico and I uh, teach one of your songs because I get my, you know, clients to my pupils to sing your choruses. You know, it's very good for their wow. voices. And, and you never released an album. Why? And I said, oh, I, you know, now I don't know how to. <laughs> what do I do? And he said, oh, don't worry, I'll put it on Spotify for you. I'll do it. Um, and so that's how it came about. And, you know, actually a number of people, I've got, you know, people randomly say, oh, I heard your stuff or, you know, I saw you 10 years ago and I really want to hear your album, you know, where can I get it? And I've never been able to say, okay, well, it's on Spotify, just listen to that, you can, you know, have it for free or I'll send you something, you know, and, um, he really sort of came came and saved the day, and I guess is he a fan? I think he he would be, and you know, it's just incredible the time and effort that people really put into you, and for music and for music's sake. Um, but he's he's definitely a kindred spirit and and a brilliant musician himself, uh, and it's you know. You know, I'm not very good at admin, as you know, and um, but other people are. And it's, you know, I've never been one to ask for help or to say I need help. You know, I don't know how to do this. Um, can someone help me? Um, and he sort of just came along and offered. And, and that was something that, you know, I'm so grateful for because it's fantastic. You know, maybe one day in the future, I won't hesitate to say, I need help with this. Can someone help me? Someone there has five minutes, yeah. you know, and, and really put, put precedence into, you know, the, the people who um, would do that and who care enough, who have um, found, found out about me through, through my music. And it, it, it's incredible the sort of... Um, what's the word community that really does spring up through you know and uh, through music and sounds and and I'm so proud about that that's cool I love yeah. that so was the album put onto Spotify as it was intended just like did you re-record anything or was it just exactly how it should have been in 2010 or whatever it was exactly how it should have been in 2010. Um, that you know, I have about a hundred songs, and and there are about probably 20 more songs that I think are brilliant, which currently are um, demos. But actually, you know, there's nothing wrong with demos, and these are very well recorded demos. They're just not mastered, so mm. you know, 
um, maybe through headphones, some bit parts will be slightly louder than others. Um, and actually, you know, maybe this next year, so from next Friday, my year starts again, um, maybe I'll take a course and learn how to self-promote and, you know, so that not, not necessarily to gain fans or to, to earn an income or to sell or to sell myself, but maybe just so, you know, people who care about my music or who love it or who still listen um, can have the opportunity to not miss out on, on something that, you know, I, I bring out into the world again, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I think maybe I should do a little media course. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there's a quite a big public discussion at the moment about artists owning their own music. As somebody who had an album shelved and then you released it yourself a while later, what's kind of your opinion of of whether you should be able to own, you know, all the rights to your own songs? So I would suggest that there's two two answers to that question or two opinions to that question that I have. The first is that I, mean, I was very lucky. I, you know, I kept all of my songs and the publishing minus 4%, which I think is very fair, actually, um, for Universal, which allowed me to resell my um, catalogue to another publishing label which BMG Chrysalis in the States and so you know I, I was quite lucky and I, I, I tend to think that you know publishers and labels are quite fair when it comes to business and don't really I think it's you know an anomaly you know you hear about Oasis who what did they they signed a five al album deal was it or eight album yeah. deal or something crazy for you know nothing and you know so somebody really capitalized on them um that I think was very unlucky of them and I don't believe is is common practice I think you know businesses tend to do fair business and good mm -hmm. business however you then have a the second my second opinion is on Spotify and streaming platforms so I was thinking about this this morning. I was reading uh, The Week, actually, and an article about um, so Paul McCartney, you know, having a say and, and this, you know, many UK, uh, so it's based in the UK, um, artists uh, petitioning, artists and fan petition, petitioning for the rights of artists to capitalise on their own music as opposed to these streaming sites. Now, something needs to change with that. I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, it, it's not fair that, you know, we spend all the money on our music, on promoting it, do all of the work, and these sites 
charge charging fans to listen to your music um don't don't pay you accordingly and you know fans are only there because of the artists not because mm -hmm. of the site you know this is just happens to be a new age now that needs to change and i don't know how that would look like but you know it's it's the same uber and taxi drivers taxi drivers are people you know the, the it's not even really a 50% split you know it should be take 10% and give the artists 90% yeah you know yeah so it's sort of it's sort of a bit sort of part it's a bit like pirates, right? You know, sort of, ooh, you know, take, taking advantage of people using online um, when really the fans are only there because of the artists, not, not because, because of Spotify. Yeah. So that, that needs to change. And, um, yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, I still get royalties quarterly from PRS, and PRS is the platform where by for when you get streams for for any of your music um or or tv it go, goes on tv or spotify or itunes you you get a certain portion and i wonder and i think that's quite a lot what i get um for 10 years later um so subsequently some new stuff for i've been doing a lot of um stream streaming so singing for for tv shows and stuff um, but yeah, you know, somebody's making the big bucks on that and it would be better for it to be a little bit more even. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause it's not really a living. It becomes, it, bec I don't know many wealthy musicians. I know there are some, but even the very successful musicians I know aren't as wealthy as a lot of other people, you know, in, in other jobs and musicians, people forget. I, I tend to think that, you know, that there maybe among some, some of the dinner parties that I've had, there's a stigma, oh, you're a musician, all right, well, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I, I'm a nurse, you know, I'm, I'm a whatever. Um, and musician, oh, you probably don't really do anything. You know, musicians never have any money, that sort of stigma. Well, I'll tell you what, it take, takes four days, it took me four days to develop, write, you know, compose, sing, record, edit, you know, a track that I got paid, you know, a small, small fee for, but, you know, four days of full-time work and, and also looking after yourself. You can't, you know, your body is your instrument, whether you play an instrument and it becomes your hands or you, you play a wind instrument or you sing and it's your lungs that you need to look after. You know, it's a lifestyle being a musician or a serious musician. There's, I've always said there's no such thing as rock and roll, um, really, and being a musician because you have to look after yourself. We, I mean, as as a band on tour, we'd run every day and and eat healthily and get to bed early, and you know we couldn't just go all out and party all night. Don't know how people do that. They're very lucky if they can. Yeah. But you know, musicians work as hard as everyone else and when it's hard, the hardest thing to make a decent living you know? yeah it's there's a misconception there I think <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you know and there is a misconception and I think that you know nurses get their one percent raise which obviously isn't enough and people complain about that well musicians 
where's our raise? You know, where's our musicians' compensation or or whatever? You know, they. I mean, maybe I'm late to the table, and that has happened, but I don't think so. You know, <laughs> I don't think so. And and you think about music and well-being. You know how much. You know, how wonderful, I mean, for me, music's incredibly healing. You know, just sitting around, you think for other people who don't have radios and stuff, you sit around in a group of people and you sing together. Church, music, music's healing. You know, it's it's so necessary and the world needs more of it. And encouragement to do more of it. So. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So tell me what you've been up to musically since... 2010. I know you uh, you started Atlantic Machine. Yeah. So, but what else have you been doing musically? I'm dying so, to know. Uh, well, Atlantic Machine is is a friend's project. I sort of I lost a lot of confidence for a couple of years and decided, oh, I never want to be a front person. I only ever want to do backing vocals, and so just started saying, offering myself, oh, you know, to Jim Lowe, um, I'll sing sing in your band, Atlantic Machine, and yeah, I loved that. And we did gigs and we supported the Stereophonics a few times, um, which was so much fun. Um, and then and then subsequently offered my backing services to it to another friend who who does brilliantly. Um, but is uh, so I, I did that. And then at the same time have been working on little bits and pieces of music for TV streaming, which just for, you know, just for bread and butter, which is fantastic. Um, and really a very good way to make money doing music, um, if you can get in there. And currently I have, which has been quite naughty and has made my degree very difficult because I'm now basically, I have two full-time jobs and I'm a mother, not to forget about that. Um, so three full-time jobs um, and have put, um, uh, have started working with a friend of mine from school who, you know, we, we met when we were 10 and 11. So all of our music education from a young age was predominantly taught to us by the same teachers. And he writes uh, music for computer games and I'm Ooh. writing music for TV. So we've just started working together and, He's got ADD, so he's all all that he's learned to sort of help me concentrate and develop on one thing. Right, we need to finish this verse. We need to finish this chorus. He's really pushing me to do that. Um, and now that we've got this year on our hands, um, we're going to develop that and start gigging and create a live sound, probably, you know, partly electronic and you know but guitar led at the same Mm -hmm. time and I'm hoping I love his voice and I'm hoping that you know we can really develop some good harmonies and and perform them so who knows let's see I'm hoping that you know the small to to take encouragement for the small things that happen and the small doors that and windows that open um for me this year and and to see where my career goes but you know really hoping that I can maintain have a living as a musician because that's who I am you know I'm not a 
I'm not academic at all. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, I can, I can carry on living off of something that I'm willing to work 12 hours a day or 24 hours a day should I need to. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a brilliant uh, group of mothers, mainly based in the UK and the States, who are all musicians, uh, including producers and singers and, you know, artists, all, all, all sorts. And, and we sort of collaborated on, on a group chat, um, which was really interesting. And, it, you know, it's about the, the mother guilt you have being a mum and, and doing music. At the same time, it's quite hard because you feel that, oh, music's so fun and enjoyable and feeds my soul, but it's really hard work. And I'm taking time away from my child to do that. Whereas I'm sure other parents who work in offices and you, different environments get the same thing. However, because ours, I, I don't know, it, they, they seem to be sort of a real understanding amongst us that we have to work bloody hard to make something awesome happen and you know 2020 was a good year I know for a lot of people it wasn't you know a, a pandemic and stuff but for, for me personally it was a time to reflect on a lot a lot of different things you know uh, material what I need to you know personal things like buying you know don't buy go out and buy new clothes when you really don't need to do who cares what you look like when you go out you know really you know and learning to be at home more and appreciating what I have um and I hope and believe that 2021 will also be a fantastic year to have taken what I've learned this is a positivist view though but it's to take what I've learned from last year it's such a difficult year for everyone um, you know, including understanding other people, other people going through. So don't ever wish for something you don't have. Just be grateful for what you do have, but try and achieve more. And so I'm hoping 2021 is going to be a year of more development and more learning and hopefully more opportunity. Yeah. Where I really want to end up is is Nashville, though. <laughs> That's the dream. Oh. That's the dream. Yeah. That's love, love my favorite place in the world. Have you been? Twice, yeah. Oh, I love I mean I've not been, but twice. Twice, yeah. To South South by Southwest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You're so lucky. I I want to do that. I'd love road tripping, road tripping around America. Yeah, I would America. move there tomorrow. It would be amazing if I could. It's just too cool. It's too cool. <laughs> Best. So what's something you're most proud of in your whole career? Um, do you know, that's a really hard question. Proud of, you know, and it, this is a very boring answer. Okay, I could say a really good answer. And, you know, I think that's probably touring with Courtney Love I think that's pretty good playing at Glastonbury V Festival having those opportunities I'm quite proud of that um good pub talk um but really it's probably you know the hindsight that I've been given which is thinking back and and thinking on and all the lessons that I've learned and and how they've made me me um and thinking of that in a positive light and, and, you know, 
because that's really going to help me for this next stage. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think all of it, you know, even having the opportunity to play in front of other people has, is, is makes me proud. My family made me proud because they've really encouraged me to, to, you know, have had the opportunity to have music. I know lots of people don't have that. Um, so, you know, that's made me proud as well. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm excited. I, I will see where things go and, you know, I better start that media course, right? <laughs> so, I know. So I always ask everyone the same questions at the end of an interview. And it's, mm. it's about kind of the theme of the podcast, which is what I think it means to be a woman. Because being a woman is <laughs> an incredible experience in yeah. so many ways. So part of Neon Woman is I've created this acronym of the word woman um i think that women are wild original magnificent adventurous and necessary and i see each of those as like a different neon color um i believe that love is wild fashion is original your mindset should be magnificent most of the time travel is adventurous and a healthy lifestyle is necessary so I always ask everyone the same questions. What about love is wild to you? Oh, uh-huh. well, it could be, uh, what is it, PC, not PC. You don't have to be PC. <laughs> Depends what the rating is. No. Um, do you know what about love is wild? Mm. So... This is that's a really difficult question. You know, I love to love. I love to be in love. Um, my personal experiences from love really shaped me. Um, what about love as wild? I, I I think maybe the propensity to love is is wild. The it's a gift. It's a learning curve. Um, and to to love is also to forgive. So you know, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you very much. So that love is wild. Love, it, it can really, really help you. You know, if you've had bad experiences, say from from person to person, love. If you're talking about human to human, um, or human to animal, say you've lost a pet or whatever. You know, forgiving these situations and seeing the world through love and you know gratefulness and forgiveness and you know, um, compassion and all those things. I think that's wild. I think that really makes you that magnificent neon person. You know, I, I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's yeah. my opinion on love. I've never been asked that before. And that's oh, okay. <laughs> Very so good question. What about your fashion is original? Oh, uh, Probably that I'm not fashionable is original. <laughs> I literally live in like tracksuits. It's just my thing at the moment. Yeah, mine too. Me too. <laughs> what do you do to keep your mindset magnificent? I like to run. I like to stay outdoors. I like to stand under trees. I like to walk whenever possible. And I like to take the most scenic beautiful routes I possibly can whether it be 
that whether I'm walking to a, a tube station or to a path that I normally walk every day, I tend to take the routes that make me feel better rather than just the shortest route. Even mm-hmm. if it's the longest route, if it's if it makes me happy, I'll do it. I'm always late though. <laughs> <laughs> suffer from tardiness (laughs) so what what is the most adventurous place you've traveled to Zimbabwe two years ago for sure I've never been there I grew up there and I haven't been there since I was 10 um and going back there as an adult was incredibly adventurous I'd forgotten how um you know Africa it was. I lived in Cape Town for a little bit, which I, you know, is very westernized, very built up. Whereas Harare, you know, obviously there's a huge political uh, tension there um, and there's no money. Um, you know, they, they're huge poverty. But you go 15 minutes outside of Harare and you've got mud huts with thatch, thatch roofs and You've, it was just incredible. And, you know, cow herders and farmers, you know, and I'd, I'd totally forgotten what this land that I'd been, you know, I, I lived in when I was a child. And, and that for me was the most adventurous thing to go back somewhere and rediscover and, and learn that my memories of this giant city actually it really wasn't giant everything was so much smaller um and that was that was you know an experience that's yeah that's amazing I'd love to go one day please do please do they need as many um tourists as they possibly can and it is such a wonderful place it's beautiful and the people are awesome so caring it's on my list when yeah. the pandemic's over and we can travel again. <laughs> Do it. Oh, you won't regret it. And Australia, I haven't been, but I'd love to go to Australia. It's Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I've lived here long enough now. I'm, I'm used to it. Oh, love to go. So what do you do to, to have a healthy, what do you think is necessary for you to have a healthy lifestyle? Whatever healthy means to you. Balance. I'm sure that's been come up before. Um, balance is to, if you know you're, if you know that you're doing something and it's bad for you, just you can do it, but just try not to do it all the time. So, you know, n- never try and be too well behaved or too good. Um, and if you, if there's something that you like to do and it's enjoyable, well, do it. You know, but don't beat yourself up about it after just don't do it too often you know I so like ne- never say never but just don't do it all the time have have a balance if one day see you go to the pub with your friends and you wake up feeling a bit hungover don't beat yourself up about it just don't do it for a little bit go for a walk the next day or lie lie in bed all day that day and wake up recharged the next or you know whether it be working you're working all the time and you feel you know well you don't don't be afraid to speak up and say that you need some time off or you know you need a mental health check or walk to work rather than or walk to the next bus stop or you know that if you can go for a walk rather than 
watching that new series or something, but try and balance. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. Mm. And then last question, which women, or just one woman, however many you like, are inspirational to you? Can be famous or non-famous. So a particular famous or non-famous person, um, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say all the mums, all the working mothers, 100%, you know, they're all, all the single mothers, all the single working mothers, yeah. um, and all the the women who aren't mothers, but maybe are single at a certain age where they feel that they have stigma around that, um, which I know exists, um, and to all of them, because, you know, we, being being a woman it shouldn't do but really does come with a lot of stigma um attached to it um and so to to all all of them 100% got your back I've been there done that know it you know and and you just have to keep your head up and be fabulous as you say or yeah magnificent (laughs) always yeah Tiffany thank you so much this has been amazing what what is next for you what can people expect a year of bad instagram posts i'm (laughs) going to i'm going to document my year um of pursuing you know music for the rest of my life you know hopefully and um and seeing what comes of it and and you know i think maybe just being more outspoken about you know things that you know it's not all glam and but you know just maybe being quite honest and saying oh today I came up with this or this is annoying or that's annoying and and maybe creating little blog posts and and talking about it I think it's very interesting and I think being a working mother um I think and and for a very long time about to get married in August um thank you a single mum for for a long time and you know single working mother for a very long time what very long time but as long as my child is as old as my child is and and also a young young single mother and you know I think it would be encouraging for for more people men and women single dads you know to to hear about that and and to understand that really you're not on your own and you know you can do it. You just have to put your back into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you just have to put your mind to it and you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. This has been a great, great end to my Thursday evening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chloe. I hope you sleep well. <laughs> thank you. Talk to thank you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>